Hey guys, welcome back to the All Bodies Nutrition Podcast. This is your host, Eleni. And as always, I am so grateful for you spending this time with me here today. Um, Today, I have a really special guest. um, But before we introduce her, or I introduce her because it's just me, um, I just wanted to put a trigger warning on this episode um, for anyone who is struggling with disordered eating and or an eating disorder. We are going to be discussing topics that surround disordered eating slash eating disorders and weight loss. Um, So if you are sensitive to those topics and you feel like it may be triggering for you, then I would recommend pausing this episode and coming back at another time. If you feel like you're able to be present with the episode and take it for what it is and stay with us. And um, so let's get into it. So Today, we have a really exciting guest, which is the first time I'm doing this on the podcast, and it is amazing client feature, who is also a really good friend of mine. Her name is Simone, and we've known each other for for a really long time. I don't even remember how many years it's been now, Um, but um, I thought her uh, journey would be really interesting for you guys to learn from because she had undergone weight loss surgery many years ago. And we're going to get into what brought her up to that decision and then how she found herself in a place where she felt like she really needed to focus on healing her relationship with food. So Simone, introduce yourself. (laughs) Um, Hi guys, I'm Simone. Um, I know Eleni because I started doing her hair many years ago, as she said, I have no idea. I think it was 2012 or 2013. I like literally can't even figure out the math. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, I think my, my journey is something that probably a lot of people can relate to because I know, Eleni, I've related to your journey in a way that I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize that other people had the same like thoughts or experiences. So I think a lot of it is similar, but um, I know we're going to be talking today about how I got to the point where I got weight loss surgery and kind of the things that have happened since that have led me here. So yeah, that could be a unique perspective. I would say so. So let's start from like when you were younger, like I know you and I obviously have spoken about like you never personally experienced like family members, like commenting on your weight or anything like that. It was more of like the environment that you were in and things that they were saying about themselves or actions that they were undergoing themselves that kind of formatted the way that you perceived your own self and your own habits and why you, you know, you know, became the way that you did at that point. So could you remember back to like, when you felt like if you felt, or even if you felt like your weight was like a problem growing up? Yeah. Um, I think my earliest memory is probably like fourth or fifth grade. I remember I always wore like, I want to say it was like my mom's t-shirts. Like it was almost what I would wear to bed, but I started feeling uncomfortable wearing anything else but that to school. And there was like no rules in my house growing up. So I was like, this is what I'm wearing. My mom was like, okay, bye. So I went to school in these like ridiculous baggy t-shirts, not like tomboyish. It was just, I think I was trying to hide my body from a very young age. And then probably the next memory I have is I was 11 and I 
went away for a week with my grandma and my grandma always had major weight issues. It's probably the only thing I can like say that she's ever talked about. Um, so I think I had been trying to lose weight and going away with my grandma, she strongly encouraged and supported my diet of slim fast and pickles. Because which pickles were a zero calorie food. And how old were you at this point? I was 11. Which I mean, for everyone listening, we know that that is like not good for anyone, let alone and more importantly, especially a growing child. Yeah, thousand percent. And at the time I was like, wow, I'm going to like lose all this weight over the summer and I'll go back to school and like nobody will recognize me. Um, and I remember like asking like my best friend at the time, like, what do you think I would look like skinny? And she was like, oh, I don't even know. Like, (laughs) you know, basically agreeing with me that like I had weight to lose or at least, you know, that's how it felt. And um, I mean, my grandma wasn't telling me I had to lose weight, right? Because that's what you just said, uh, that, that I've spoken about how nobody told me that I had to. It was more just my environment. I grew up seeing my mom struggle and my sister struggle, who's eight years older than me. And then, of course, my grandma, who was only in for the summers. Um, but that summer, when I was 11, was the first time that I had really dieted. Um, yeah. I don't remember being successful. I remember being bummed that I was going back to school in September, like the same girl in baggy t-shirts. Yeah, and and I think, I don't know if you've ever heard of the podcast, Um diet starts tomorrow um I'm not like personally as like a nutrition professional I'm not a huge fan of that podcast but they kind of like transition from talking about like dieting and weight loss to like diet culture and like things like that which I I do support but also like they give their own opinions and they're not like credentialed to give have such a huge influence they have like millions of listeners but the point that I'm trying to make is that they grew up, I guess, around similar times to what you and I grew up around. And so like they talked about like movies and TV shows when we were growing up and how they like made like certain characters look like the quote unquote like fat characters and like how they were really like normal average sized girls. But like us growing up looking at them, we're like, oh, wait, but like I'm smaller than them or bigger than them or the same size as as them. And it really like shaped our view of like what was attractive and like, or like what was considered attractive. So like when I was like 13 or 14, that's when like Jessica Simpson was like popular or like maybe that was a little bit before that, but you know what I mean? Like Britney Spears, low rise jeans, all those things. And so that's what we were like (laughs) used to. So if you didn't fit into that category, like I've never worn low rise jeans. Like I don't, I would never want to wear low rise jeans, but like, but you know what I mean? So like you probably had this like experience, not only just from that of like your family and constantly seeing family members dieting and, and your grandma, like basically encouraging you taking that own initiative, but subconsciously you absorbed a lot of what the media was like putting out like 17 magazine like Mandy Moore like all these very thin girls and we never saw any like diversity in size 
thousand percent. And I actually remember you saying something, I think it was your last episode, that you were always like the quote unquote fat friends. And I always felt like that because all my friends were these like thin, tiny little girls. And I always remember like being in the cafeteria, being like, I want a cookie for 99 cents, but like I can't. And my friends can have 10 of them and still look like that. But like, I look like this. And for sure, I grew up with like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera Mm -hmm. and uh, Mandy Moore, like all the people you just said, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I would just look at them and be like, why can't I look like that? And, you know, my teens were just inundated with slim fast and weight watchers and I remember my mom doing that like grapefruit diet mm-hmm. trend and uh Atkins yep. when that was you know that was a big deal at some point all the rage yeah so and that's what I grew up around so essentially like you would characterize like majority of your lifespan dieting 100% like every like realistic memory that I have is spent around thinking about what I would eat, feeling guilty for not exercising, feeling guilty over what I did or didn't eat, wondering if whole wheat would make me lose weight faster than something that wasn't whole wheat. Like definitely more than anybody else that I knew was thinking about to eat or to not eat. Yeah. And it sucks because like kids are supposed to be kids and we shouldn't have had to like even think that way. And the fact that we thought that way and we're dieting from such young ages, I feel became the reason why we ended up quote unquote, like struggling with our weight, because I always like to remind everyone, like your weight is not like a problem it's a symptom of like what else is going on. You know what I mean? And so like, if you are so out of tune with like your own and, and obviously we'll get into this, but if you're so out of tune or you from such a young age, were not even listening to what your body was telling you and you were forcing yourself to restrict, 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 and then go through that cycle from such a young age that not only does damage to your mental health, but your physical health, because you know, we need a lot of calories growing up. Like that's the 10, 11, 12 is like right before girls usually get their periods. And that's when your body's putting on weight because it's going to, you know, your hips are going to grow. Your boobs are going to grow. That doesn't just come out of nowhere. That comes from energy storage that you have. And same thing with boys. Um, during those years, that's usually when they get like, quote unquote, like a little chunky and where people are like, oh, you know, you have to watch their weight. I mean, I've had parents come to me trying to make their kids lose weight. And I'm like, no, like this is what the body's doing because soon they're going to have their growth spurt and they need to, um, we have a special guest also Phoebe, which is Simone's new puppy. Um, Phoebe and Penelope, my pug are going to become best friends. Like that's literally our life goal right now. Um, but we digress. So, um, so yeah, but, but so many things led up to where you ended up deciding that your only option was to get the weight loss surgery because nothing else that you did worked. Yeah. And, and that was a point that I for sure never thought that I would get to, um, going back to my sister a little bit, I can actually, this is related to weight loss surgery, I promise. But um, so we're eight years apart, right? So when she was 16, I was eight. 
And I actually remember for her sweet 16, she had bought a dress that was like too small. And my mom was like, it's totally fine. I'm going to get you these diet pills. And it was Fen-Fen. Do you remember that stuff? It was like taken off the market because it was like people were dropping like flies. And my sister lost so much weight on Fen-Fen and they were bragging about it. Like they walked around the whole sweet 16 being like, oh my God, doesn't she look great? She was on Fen-Fen. And it was like this huge victory for them. And I was eight, right? So like, not that I was on Fenton at eight, although I'm surprised I wasn't, but you know, that's, that's what I grew up around. So then when my sister was, um, 26, I want to say she had, um, a gastric bypass. And so, so for, for everyone listening, um, that's essentially like a surgery that you undergo that they cut off half of your stomach. So the idea is that it severely restricts the amount of food that your stomach can hold. My sister had the gastric bypass, which is where they actually, Oh, she didn't have the sleeve. No, she had the bypass. So that one, like at the time, the sleeve wasn't really a thing yet. No, this, so she had, this is even more invasive, Yes, which really impacts the like, not to get too sciencey, but it basically impacts the amount of like stomach acid that your stomach makes and, and it goes into your small intestine. It's like a whole big thing. So it's a much more like severe surgery. Yeah. They basically like completely unattach your stomach and like make a fake stomach. Yeah. Uh, and that's because they're bypassing your yeah. stomach. It, yeah. So, um, and that was when I was, um, going into college. So I actually remember like moving into my dorm and my sister like wasn't able to help us like walk up and down the stairs with my things because she wasn't like, she had just had surgery like less than a month before. So she must've been 26 and, um, you know, she lost a ton of weight and she lost it by like eating Doritos on the couch and watching me do a workout right in front of her. And she did not learn anything from it. She just lost all the weight and bragged about it for sure. Like I remember her running into uh, someone from high school at CVS and she was like, oh my God, you don't recognize me, do you? And she was like, I had weight loss surgery. I had a gastric bypass. I lost all this weight. And she was so proud of it. And I was like, good for her, obviously. Um, But I was still struggling and I was struggling and I was watching her, the, the pounds just melt off of her. And at that moment, I decided that I never wanted to do what she did. So fast forward all through my late teens and my twenties. When I was, so I got married in 2014 at the end of 2014 and early 2015, I went to get an eye exam Mm -hmm. and uh at the eye exam, they found some, it was just for glasses and they found something like behind my retina and they were like, oh, we want to send you for another opinions. Like didn't tell me what they thought it was. Um, long story short there, I ended up seeing a uh, neuro ophthalmologist and I had a condition called uh, pseudotumor cerebri. And that basically means that my brain was swelling 
for no reason. So it was like faking a tumor, basically. Like it was swelling as if it had a tumor and that was going to long-term affect my vision. Um, I could have become colorblind, which for me was terrifying since that's my uh, livelihood. Correct. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I take my health very seriously. So I started seeing a... Um, neurologist and the neuro-ophthalmologist and they were kind of working together and they put me on this medication to get the swelling to go down and over the next year or so it did go down and one day I was at the neuro-ophthalmologist's office and he was like you know this like he, he was a very like nice middle-aged man um mm-hmm. always talking to me about his like twin boys um And he had said time and time again that, like, I needed to lose weight with this condition that I had. And the medication that they had put me on had made me depressed, although I didn't catch it for a long time. And from the time that they put me on the medication until this appointment, I had probably put on 30 plus pounds, which seemed a little crazy to me. Um, but that was just like my life, right? Like my whole life, I had struggled with my weight and I was like, oh, whatever it is, what it is. Um, and in that office, he was talking to me like, well, you got to lose weight. Like it was something I was choosing. Mm-hmm. Like I was choosing to be in the body that, you that I was in. And, uh, he talked to me about weight loss surgery and he left the room and I'm a super strong person. But the second he left the room, I like broke down in tears and like obviously got it together by the time he walked back in. And I just couldn't believe that I was sitting there facing the same fate that my sister had um, Mm. after saying for so long that I wouldn't end up there. So I think it was, that week, because I'm a very like decisive person that I was like, okay, I'm going to go make that appointment. And I went to the same surgeon that she had gone to. And when I walked in, I couldn't believe I was there because I had been to that waiting room so many times because I had driven her to so many doctor's appointments. Yeah, And it was like deja vu in the worst way, because I could not believe that this was happening to me. Um, but once I make a decision, I stick with it. Yep. And, uh, it was April of 2016. I got the sleeve. So what we were talking about before, that's the one where they cut off a decent part of your stomach so that you can eat less at a time. And they also cut out, uh, the part of your stomach that has like the hunger hormone. And um, I just wanted to make a comment going back to when you were talking about your sister, how she had this like very invasive surgery and she lost all this weight, but she was just eating Doritos. So based on like what society considers healthy, all people see is weight loss and they're going to just assume that you're healthy. And like I've said in the past, you can lose weight, being in a calorie deficit, literally eating cookies all day. Does that mean that you're going to be more healthy? No. Um, obviously I don't know any of your medical, um, information prior to now, like lab work and a bunch of other things that I would have like 
assessed had we, you know, been working together at that time. So I can't talk about what the many different factors may have been that could have been influencing that condition that you were experiencing. Um, and the fact that the doctor's first recommendation was for weight loss, you know, do people in smaller size bodies have this condition? I would assume so, you know, so like it could have been a bunch of different things. It could have been maybe, you know, diet related in the, in the terms of like sodium and fat intake. It could have been, maybe you had high blood pressure and maybe if you had increased physical activity, not focusing on weight loss, but just health improving actions, not necessarily focusing on weight, which weight loss may have been a byproduct of that, but you didn't, you had this surgery because obviously you were in a scary place at that time. And as someone that you trust, this doctor who seemed nice was like, this is what you should do because you were on this medication that seemed to be very serious. You were having very serious side effects, which probably further exacerbated other things that you were feeling. And if you uh, use food as a coping mechanism, it could have all kinds of spiraled into the same thing, you know? So I'm sorry that you had to go through that. And, you know, you and I were talking before and you were like, listen, like, I don't, I don't, uh, like you don't regret doing it because it got you to the point that you are now. And maybe you had to go through all those other things and, you know, that's how you ended up here. And you maybe would have never ended up here had you not gone through all the other stuff. Yeah. You know, a thousand percent. So I think that is so spot on. And I think it's so important, you know, I obviously I mentioned this to you and I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast, but in the past when I used to consult in physician's offices, I would oftentimes be asked to consult on bariatric surgery patients. And obviously eventually I stopped doing that because I, I personally didn't agree with it. Um, not because I'm a doctor and I can make medical decisions, but just seeing so many patients come back after 10 years of having surgery and like, you know, gaining all the weight back, re-exacerbating their diabetes, like all these things, I was like, okay, so what's the point of having this hugely, you know, like disruptive surgery to temporarily lose weight? I'm not saying every single person who has some sort of bariatric surgery doesn't gain weight back or does gain weight back, but it's, you know, we know like for long-term health outcomes, losing weight very quickly is not healthy. We know that it significantly decreases your muscle mass. You know, your body doesn't just selectively lose fat. So now you're lowering your metabolism. And so in someone who has been basically dieting their whole life on top of that, it's just going to further like mess up their metabolism. And it's, it's hard to put on muscle mass and maintain it. And so all of these other things, people that might may not necessarily think about these things because they just see the end result. Like, oh, I just want to lose the weight. And then you see like on TV, they even have commercials saying, oh, I changed my life. I lost a hundred pounds and now I can wear what I want. And I'm like, this is such a toxic message to be sent. Like cutting off parts of your body that do a lot of important things like tell you whether or not you're hungry or full and basically 
this surgery like robbed you of you being able to have your own intuition, which your body knows what to do, you know? So now obviously like, you know, we'll, we'll discuss like right now, like where you are headspace wise and how you came to this decision. Um, but I think it's important for everyone to understand that it's not the easy, simple fix that people think it is. 100%. Um, I mean, even in like the, uh, weight loss surgery community, um, like the bariatric community, that's yeah. the word I was looking for. Um, you know, they talk a lot about how the surgery is just a tool. They call it a pouch. So like your pouch is just a tool and it's not brain surgery. So a lot of them are referencing that in terms of like, you're still going to want the quote unquote bad foods. Right. But with the work that we've been doing, mm. um, I'm seeing it now on the flip side as it is just a tool, right? That we're not saying that I'm currently using, but like it is just a tool and it's not brain surgery because I never healed my relationship with food. I never even dove into what got me there in the first place. And when, when I talk to you about uh, the fact that I don't regret it and it all brought me here, right? The way that I like to think about it is if I didn't start dieting when I did, if I didn't go through my preteens, my teens, my 20s into my early 30s, well, I got the surgery in my late 20s. I don't even know how old I am, but right, if I didn't go through all of that, maybe yeah. the body I have today is the body I would have had. Yep. Right. So that's what I mean by like, I don't regret it because everything got so messed up. And it wasn't your fault at all. Like this was all done to you, like none of this. And, and, you know, doctors or people placing blame on, on patients or people in general saying like, oh, like you got yourself to this point, you know, so many things come into play when it comes to someone's weight. And it's not as simple as just eating food, because I would argue someone eating a, a varied, uh, balanced diet who may be in a little bit of a larger size body is much healthier than someone who's rapidly losing weight, eating Doritos. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and actually I feel like you've said something, um, similar. It's probably like the cookies comment that you can yeah, yeah, yeah. cookies, but, um, I used to say like when I would be like, crying, you know, over not being able to lose the weight or like going on weight watchers and seeing the people around me lose more or whatever. And like, just sometimes it was like the way that people looked at me when I said that I was struggling with my weight. Um, I felt like, like I don't go home and eat cake for dinner. And that those words are literally something I've said before. Like, does anybody understand that I do not go home and eat cake for dinner? And yeah. I probably ate less than 90% of the people around yeah. me way before surgery. Yeah. And there's just such a stigma yeah. based on a body that you have that most times you can't control and is not your choice. Correct. And that is so crazy to me. I, you know, yeah. I mean, I have, I have it's a million such, thoughts, but we could be here no, all day. About yeah. That. 100%. <laughs> and it's so good. And I think obviously I 
feeling connected to someone who can relate in so many different ways. And I know a lot of people who are listening who may not have had weight loss surgery or may have been thinking about it and just really realizing like where you are right now is such a complicated, not you, you, but like anyone in general is is such a complicated thing. And I always said, like, if similar to you, if I was left alone at eight years old and no one said anything about anything to me about my weight, I wouldn't have snuck food. I wouldn't have restricted food. I wouldn't have tried to skip meals or like you talk about the cookies at lunch. I remember they used to have, um, like the flying saucers, like, you know, like the ice cream and like, that's what my friends would eat for lunch. And I would just say, no, I'm not going to eat anything. And all these things, if they would have just left me alone, I would have never gotten to the size that I did. I wouldn't have had such a bad relationship with food. Maybe whatever the genes that I have wouldn't have been expressed that turns my PCOS genes on. And I may not have had it. Like there's so many different things. And it's like, completely out of your control and people a lot of times in the wellness community think that you just need more willpower and it's not about that and like you said like you weren't eating cake for breakfast lunch and dinner you were just being a normal person but you happen to be someone who was dieting for literally their whole entire life which a hundred percent like you were struggling with disordered eating and or an eating disorder from such a young age And that is the most important thing that should have been addressed at that time. And so when you're sitting in that doctor's office being told, like, you have this scary thing happening where, you know, color is like your thing, literally, like I'll put her Instagram handle below so you guys can follow her. She does amazing work um, for people, especially that are like more adventurous than I am. I like get the same thing all the time. I'm like, you know, just do (laughs) do the huge. Um, (laughs) but if you guys live in long Island, obviously please definitely check her out. Um, but you know, being told that like the, the scary news, but the doctor not even taking into account so many other factors that could have improved the condition without getting that crazy surgery, you know, that's the part that is always upsetting to me that you just felt like I had no other choice and I had to just do something drastic and I would do anything. If he told you to eat, you know, grass for 10 years and you know, whatever, like, like that's how desperate we get Yeah, that your young teenage sister was taking these pills that were terrible and causing all sorts of like heart attacks and like crazy things like that. Um, just to fit into a, a smaller size dress for her sweet 16. And so the lengths, the unhealthy lengths that we go to, I feel is much worse than just someone who may be in a little bit of a larger size body. Yeah. And truthfully, the condition that I had or have, right. Because it's kind of like, a, I just currently don't have it, but I could have it at any moment once I have had it, uh, they don't know what causes it, right? So the conversation that was being had in the doctor's office time and time again before before that fateful day uh, was that it's more common in women of childbearing age who are overweight. And that doesn't mean that it's 100% of the time, right? I I don't know the statistics and I'm sure they're not even... I'm sure it's not even that much more common in that demographic, right? So, you know, you could be uh, stick thin 
and this could happen. And then they could say, I have no idea why. And they even told me like, we have no idea why, but Mm-hmm. It's more likely that it happened to you because of X, Y, Z. So you have to lose weight. And I will say that after I lost weight, it did go away. But who knows the real reason why? Correct. Right. Maybe that was because I was being more active. Yep. Maybe that was. Uh, you were eating more vegetables, was, maybe. Yes, maybe exactly. you were eating more, you know, less uh, high fat foods or less high salt foods I'm just and I'm not demonizing any of those things I'm just saying like if you came to me as a patient with that condition saying what can we do there are things that could have been done that were not related to your weight you know and there are I was not bigger what would they have done exactly and that's something that I want everyone who's listening to recognize that if a doctor is telling you oh if you're having pain in your knee and they're like, oh, you have to lose weight. Well, what do you tell someone who has knee pain that isn't in a larger size body? Like you still have to address the issue. And so when it comes to a very rare condition, which is what you have, they don't really know. And so the easiest thing to blame is the weight. And it just shows you how fat phobic our healthcare system is. Yeah. And so going into the surgery uh, and different different surgeons will require different things in order for you to get it. Um, I had to go through a ton of testing. I had to go to pretty much every doctor known to man to get clearance. And I had to have like a psyche valve and, you know, all the things. And, but they were all kind of not thorough, right? It was all kind of, they push it through connected to the surgeon and they knew why I was there and I didn't have to go for a consult and then an appointment and then a follow-up. I just had to get the basic testing. They signed a paper and they pushed it through. And the whole process took just over two months. Wow. Yeah. Like under three, like I went at the end of January for my initial consults and my surgery was early April. Mm. And um, right after that, during like the healing process, you know, I followed the instructions, whatever, but there really was no guidance, at least where I went. And I know there is a lot of surgeons out there that are very strict um, and are very supportive, but I also know that for as many of those, there are as many as where I went, where there was really, there was like support groups that were ridiculous. They were not helpful at all. And it was just a lot of people complaining about things that no one cared about. Uh, and so I found myself kind of like lost, right? Because I wanted to do things quote unquote, the right way. And also didn't want anybody ever to look at me and go, she took the easy way out. Right. So within a few months, I found a community, uh, that was very, very strict and I'm a rule follower by nature and (laughs) I can be very intense. So the next thing I knew, I was like drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Yeah. And taking things very, very seriously. I cut out almost all carbs. I ate a very high protein diet, moderate fat. This was like before keto was a like a big thing. Yeah. And I read about the keto diet and I was like, oh, it's like I kind of do like a modified keto because I don't like stay away from fat, but I don't eat it on purpose and I eat almost no carbs. Um, 
if I were to even tell you then the numbers, my goals, like my macro goals during that time, you would probably just hang up on me right now. Definitely not, but <laughs> it could be terrifying. Yes, I, I'm it sure. Was terrifying. And at the time it felt like what I needed to do. And it was so hard for me to eat that I had to make it my goal to hit 800 calories so that I didn't get severe acid reflux. And it was hard for me to hit that number, right? So, and then after a few months, I started working out because I didn't want anybody to look at me and say, she took the easy way out. And for a while, I wasn't even talking about the fact that I had weight loss surgery. So obviously I've already mentioned, and you know, but I'm saying it for your listeners that I do hair and all my clients would look at me and say, oh my God, you look great. And I heard the compliments every day and it wasn't long before people started saying, oh, but you're done losing weight. You're getting too skinny, right? And I said to you before that, body is interesting because it's a secret that you wear right Mm -hmm. so if I do something in the privacy of my own home no one has to know about it but if I'm losing weight or gaining weight or if anybody is right it's a topic of conversation because it's like wearing a shirt with a question with a a phrase on it that says talk to me or like ask me a question it's an invitation and you you can't do anything about it so with me not that I'm like on display but I but am, you are I, right and like so I had to talk about it all the time and there weren't many people that I told the truth to because it did feel very stigmatized and I think I was a little embarrassed uh and I really felt like I had a medical reason why I got it and I really felt like I was working really hard which I know now is all very disordered right Facts, yeah and, um I lost a lot of weight. We're just going to yeah. go with over 100 pounds yeah. in a year. And after that, uh, so I got that in April of 2016. And in September or October, October of 2017, I got pregnant mm-hmm. uh, on purpose. You <laughs> just made that sound like <laughs> Uh, I had been so, so ridiculously small at the time that I gained so much weight in my first trimester, I think, because my body knew that, like, my frame couldn't support a pregnancy. You were so depleted. So depleted. Um, And I, I did feel strong at the time because I was doing, like, strengthening exercises. But, like, in reality, when I look back on pictures, I'm like, there was nothing to my body. I was like a, a clothes hanger. And uh, I went through my pregnancy and sure, like gaining weight was was a little scary, but I knew that it was for good reason. And yeah. um, and after that, after that pregnancy, um, I dropped like 10 pounds right away, which was like baby and placenta. Yeah. And then never lost anymore. And everybody had been like, the weight's just going to come off. And it just never came off. And over two years later, when I decided to have my second baby, I was still at the same weight that I had been. I had almost been at like my my late pregnancy weight that I was with my first. And Mm -hmm. um, I got pregnant anyway. 
obviously. Mm-hmm. And I just let myself live a little during that pregnancy. I really kind of let go a lot of my rules. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, it was like, it was a healthy pregnancy. Both of them were very healthy pregnancies. And I had my second, my little girl, uh, just over two months ago. And, uh, that is, that brings us to this summer, right? Where I found myself Googling, how soon can you go on a diet after having a baby? And I was gearing up to buy my bariatric protein shakes to crack Mm -hmm. down, to stop eating food, to drop some weight. I was counting down the days until I can get clearance to work out um, because I never took the weight off from the first pregnancy, gained more pregnancy weight. And the same thing was happening, right? Like I dropped the 10 pounds from the baby and my body was staying there. And, uh, I had a moment and obviously when you and I see each other, Mm -hmm. I'm always curious as to what you do. And I'm fascinated because Mm -hmm. you're so smart and you're so great and you're so kind and caring. And, um, I was always like, Oh, I know like 10 people who could use your services, but I was never like, Oh, I could use your services. Cause I was like, I'm perfect. I don't need help. (laughs) And, um, no, but I, (laughs) first of all, you gave birth to two stunning babies, like picture perfect children. And so the fact that like, you just gave birth to another human life, which like I am always mind boggled by like what the what the women's body could what a woman's body can do. Um, and the fact that like you were so like fixated on thinking about like, when can I stop eating food and just drink protein shakes so I could lose weight as quick as as possible? That's terrifying. Yes. And I know, like, obviously, I saw you prior to baby coming and prior, I think it was like your last week, like it was before your last week before, because I remember we were like, just in case if baby comes early again, uh, I didn't want (laughs) to be out of luck. So you and I were talking a little bit. So like, you already had it in your head that you were like, what, what? Before, like, we officially started talking, like, in the sense of, (laughs) Phoebe's so cute. She's, like, sitting on you. Um, Before we actually started talking, like, once you gave birth and everything, like, more about potentially working together, we had, like, somewhat of conversations before. So, like, what in your head made you think, like, okay, there's something off here and, like, I need to do something different? Yeah, I think for me, it was that I felt so far away from the person who was post-op in 2016. And I can't pinpoint like whether I felt disappointed in myself or embarrassed. I don't know what it was. Very bad at identifying emotions. But I felt something. And I believe the words that I said to you during our first conversation was right now I have two paths Mm -hmm. and one of them is trying to heal my relationship with food and trying to learn about myself and 
give myself grace and be gentle. And the other path is going back to my strict, crazy way of living. And I said to you, I am worried that that path will literally kill me. That's 100% what you said. And that felt really scary to me that I could try so hard to do something and it was going to kill me physically and emotionally. I want to make that clear. Like I knew that if I made the decision to do that and I wasn't capable of doing that because my body has carried and grown two children and my body is just not what it was. Yeah. It's not what it was before surgery and it's not what it was after, right? Correct. Like think of how much it's my body new, has been through. It's a whole new body. Totally. Um I just felt like it was going to kill me in more ways than one. And it didn't feel fair to be stuck in the middle either. It didn't feel fair to live my life uh, wishing that I could be the way I used to be. And I didn't want to go back to who I was for those 15, 20 years leading up to surgery. And I didn't want to... And I couldn't go back to the person I was after because, like I said, I felt like it was going to kill me. So where does that leave me, right, with this um, amazing opportunity to work with someone that I enjoy, right? Uh, It's beautiful. And just give it a shot, right? Like, that was kind of how I got into this was, like, I'm going to try it. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. And it's scary. And for someone, you and I are similar in that we like to be in control and like rules make us feel safe. And so to be working on yourself in a way that is not super rigid, right? Like seeing how you feel, that is scary. So it's a lot of different emotions. And like, I remember when we were first talking, you were like, because right now, Simone just went back to work this this week, right? This week, yeah. Um, so she wasn't sure if, you know, she wanted to start before. Um, and so right now, Simone is working with me on like a 12-week intuitive eating program. And so this is like usually how I start working with a new client coming from a place where Simone came from, because it's like kind of like just like you have a new baby who's learning all new things. You're like a little baby now learning, relearning so many things that like you never even thought about from even when you were a child, you know, you never had those experiences to pay attention to your hunger and fullness. Hmm. What do I actually want to eat versus what's the lowest calorie thing I can have? Or is it safe on my super restrictive bariatric, you know, kind of diet thing. Um, and so you know, I, I told you, I was like, I think like, if you have the time now before going back to, uh, work, like now's a good time. And I'm so glad that like we made that decision and you made that decision because I think it really set you up for doing some of the work beforehand. And now, you know, now that you're back into this, well, entering back into the swing of things, um, you know, we're like managing, this new schedule yeah, kind of thing. thousand percent. And like, I mean, I often feel like people who have gone through experiences like mine aren't represented enough. And I don't mean on your 
on your podcast. I just mean like in general out there in the world. And I want to say to anybody who's listening, who's like a nurse or a hairdresser who has like a job where you don't take breaks or you don't get breaks and you're on your feet for like nine plus hours a day, Mm -hmm. um, that like it is really hard to listen to your body and distractions are there, but it is also possible to make sure that you're fueling your body properly. And that is what we're working on. Like I'm talking like I'm an expert and I've literally only worked one day, but (laughs) (laughs) no, but we planned for it. Yeah. Going back to work the rest of this week, um, isn't so scary. And, you know, like my idea of setting myself up for success before all of this was like eating breakfast when I got to work, as opposed to before I left the house. And then it was just like, when I ate, I ate. And, you know, the hairdresser's diet is like coffee. And that's, that's what I lived off of. And like, don't get me wrong, I'm still drinking plenty of coffee. But I'm also eating food, and I'm preparing myself and I'm, I'm not a cook. So I'm not cooking. Uh, I'm literally just like making myself a but sandwich. Like, but, yeah, but that is preparing food. And that is cooking. Yes. And that was one of your and it's like, not daunting. Yeah, 100%. And that was like one of your concerns. Like when we first started to work together, you were like, like, are you going to be one of those people who says like, I have to make like everything at home? I was like, hell no. Like literally I have people who literally eat out every single meal. And that's the beauty of what intuitive eating is. And that's kind of like, uh, shows you how versatile it is. And like how it's really just you figuring out what's best for you and like we like plans not in the sense of like meal planning but we I call it a meal pattern where we kind of set up those work days what those things are going to look like so that you can show up to your job prepared and have things with you and prioritize getting in a bite here getting in a bite there and knowing that you're still giving yourself nourishment to actually fuel your crazy work schedule (laughs) you know what I mean and you know it's physically demanding it's mentally demanding because you have to be on for each of your clients and you know so I think you know your experience is very unique and I think leading up to this point I think a lot of people can relate to those feelings that you expressed and whether they experienced, you know, it from family members or just like we talked about in society in general, it's like, you're not alone. And there are people out there who experience the same exact thing or something similar. And like, there is a better way to handling your health and your relationship with food that doesn't involve like anything drastic or like cutting out food groups or things like that. Yeah. And, you know, if I just kind of take a quick look back at my life revolving around food, it's like, I've had a little bit of, of everything, right? Like I've had the, the negative family influence. I've Mm -hmm. had doctors telling me that I had to lose weight. I had, I did something drastic to lose weight. I lost weight. I gained weight. I had two babies. I have a crazy job where I really don't have time to focus on myself and I wouldn't trade that for the world, by the way, but like it all makes everything feel impossible considering where I started, where I went, where I am now. Um, But working on this intuitive 
eating journey, uh, it's gone a million times better than I really could have thought. Like I really approached this like, well, what do I have to lose literally? And I think I've like fallen in love with it a lot more than I ever thought. And uh, I do want to share my moment with bread, right? Like the, yes, the aha let's moment talk about that the I bread. had. I loved it. Uh, and, and I do think it's, I'm just going to reiterate to anybody listening how much I really didn't think this was ever going to work for me. Like I was like, I'm just like <laughs> wasting my time, wasting my money, but like at least I love Eleni and it'll be fun <laughs> to like talk to her. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I definitely had the idea that it was all like BS. Like I've, I've said that before and, um, you get into it and I was definitely one of those people that were like, okay, but if I give myself permission to eat anything, like I'm literally just going to eat a loaf of bread for like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, uh, I'm not going to say that eating whatever I wanted was scary because of the place that I was recently coming from, which is something that we've spoken about, like kind of quote unquote, letting myself go during my pregnancy. I was so far away from all my rules that it was easy to break them. Mm -hmm. Um, but bread was still something that made me feel like unhinged and, Mm -hmm you know, one of our first, uh, tasks, I suppose was Mm -hmm. you were like, okay, you're eating a lot of like cold cut roll-ups. Can you like put that on a piece of bread? And I was like, I can do that. (laughs) Like I, is that a sandwich? (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had one of those in 20 years. So, you know, you kind of, uh, explained to me that it was important to get some carbs in with meals, to feel satiated. And, uh, you know, when I'm having, um, an omelet, cause I'm big on eggs and cheese, mm-hmm. uh, to try and have a piece of toast with that. And, um, I started doing that and maybe a week or so into adding a carb with every meal that I physically mm-hmm. could, I was having an omelet and, um, my husband was making one for me and, uh, an omelet. And I was like, okay, can you also uh, pop me in a piece of toast? And I paused and I was like, "Mm, I don't really want toast. Do we have home fries? And I started like making the home fries. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I'm not excited about bread. Like I I don't even want it. Do I even like bread? Like I was (laughs) like, what is going on? I've lived my whole life thinking that I was such like a carb addict that bread was, you know, throughout my weight loss journey after surgery, it was bread and French fries were the two things that I said, I will never eat those things again. Because if I even eat one bite, I'm going off the rails and that's it. And here I am like eating bread casually and like, yeah. I'm not excited about it. And sometimes it's annoying. Like yeah. sometimes bread sounds like a, not a yummy idea. Yep. And I could not believe it. And I was like, so excited to tell you that I remember. I remember. That week. And I've probably told 17 other people that story. And now That's I'm telling, amazing. I don't know how many people that story. Uh, but that's amazing. And it just shows you how when you reframe that, that thought, cause, cause you kind of, so when you talk about how like you quote unquote, like let, like let yourself go during the pregnancy, 
you kind of explore that phase where you reintroduce foods that you weren't letting yourself have. Yes. So you kind of got most of that out of your system prior to us working together. So that was like a part of a phase of intuitive eating. So everyone for everyone, it lasts differently, giving yourself unconditional permission to eat. It just so happens that you did that during prior to your actual intuitive eating journey and prior to giving birth to, to your baby. Um, so you're at this place now where like you, where you just said like, okay, you know, I, I didn't feel scared to like start to introduce this, but we started it off slowly, you know? Um, and the fact that you are in control of whether or not you want bread and how much bread you have to what makes you feel good is amazing. That's like a huge, huge, huge win. So for anyone who's listening, who's like, yeah, but then I would just eat it all the time. Like, no, you won't. Like maybe at the beginning, you will always choose that food item. But once you get it out of your system and you're really mentally committed to this journey, your body, your wisdom, your inner wisdom kicks in. And it's like, I don't even want bread right now, but can we have home fries instead? And I mean, I don't care. A carb is a carb. You could pick whichever one you want. And I always tell you yeah. that I'm like, pick whichever <laughs> one you want. I really don't care. Um, but the fact that you were able to even listen to yourself shows that you're like on that right path. And it is possible from coming from someone who is a very strong rule follower. Yes. And, you know, along this, I have asked you to give me some rules, right? Like, (laughs) I'm like, oh, you want me to make that rule? I will do that rule. Uh, (laughs) But I, it's interesting how different rules in this journey can be that it's a flexible rule, that it's, it's not a rule in the typical sense of a rule. It's, you know, like my rules right now are like, try and make every meal balanced. That's like a really vague rule. Like, how can I make this meal more balanced? Like I eat waffles for breakfast every single morning Mm -hmm. because my toddler eats waffles. So I eat waffles with him. But like now, as you know, but I'm telling everybody else, like I'm eating a banana and like eggs with my waffles. And, um, I just feel like I came from so far in the other direction that it's incredible that, um, I'm even here which is so amazing. And like, obviously, so normally before I work with someone, I make them fill out like an application to work with me um, to see if they are in the right mental space to be working with me because I won't take someone on who is very deep in uh, disordered eating or their eating disorder. Um, And I won't take on someone who is focused on just losing weight because also that's not what I don't think that that's worth my time or their time. Um, but I had spoken with you many over obviously a long period of time and then more, more frequently prior to us working together. And I had, I had that feeling where like you were in that space where like you could have gone either way. Like you said, you were on that like road, like which one am I going to go down? And the fact that you seem scared of what would happen if you didn't choose this, yeah. was what told me like, okay, she's ready. She's ready to like, like put herself first. And like, even though she has like a new puppy, a new baby, a toddler, <laughs> like, a, like, you know, a husband and everything, like you are still f- seeing that, like we can 
And I say we, because we're on this journey together. Like, you know, like I'm with you. I try to be there as much as possible. And I try to like, I never want anyone to feel like they're alone going through this because sometimes it's scary, you know, like making certain decisions. Like you're not sure if I, if you can listen to yourself or not and stuff. So like, I always try to provide that support. Um, but it is possible going back to work, having a newborn, having a, a newborn puppy <laughs> and like all these other things while working in a crazy work environment, like it is possible. And obviously um, I'm going to have Simone come back on in a few months and we'll talk more about a lot of stuff. And if you guys have any questions, you could always DM me, um, you know, my Instagram handles, all that bodies that nutrition. Um, but yeah, I'm just having a brain fog right now. Is there anything, any questions for me? People can message me also. Um, my phone is literally attached to my hands unless, uh, unless I'm working, (laughs) uh, it's attached to my hands when I'm with my kids also. I'll I'll put Simone's info down in the, um, description box below as well. Um, but are there any, last thoughts for this part one that you want to leave everyone with? Uh, I think it's just that if you're, if you're struggling and even if you're like a (laughs) non-believer, like, (laughs) like I was, and uh, no matter where you're coming from, like I've, I've really just been on all the spectrums, right? Like feeling like I was too large, feeling like I was too small, feeling like, I couldn't do it or I could do it and I did it and then I failed and you know, all the things that I think we all kind of go through, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter where you are in life or what you've been through. If this is something that you think you need to try, then you just need to try it because yeah, like I said, like I jumped into it like, well, I'm going to give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, there's always something else, right? Um and this really feels like self-care to me, to be honest. And I'm someone who doesn't do a lot of self-care because uh, the things that feel good to me are like um, overworking myself. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this really feels like self-care. And I've always kind of looked at you, Eleni, as a food therapist. And I've, I've told you that before. Um, so it, it really, really, truly is self-care. And so if you're thinking about it, obviously Eleni is the professional, so please reach out to her. But, uh, if you've been through, uh, anything that, that I've just described and you want to dive deeper into how I feel or how I felt or anything, um, you can DM me. I know she's going to put my Instagram handle in Mm -hmm. the description, but I'm at that hair colorist, all one word. So it's, it's pretty easy to remember. Um, and Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on this episode. Uh, oh my God. I'm, I'm so happy that you came on and I'm excited to have you on again um, as our part two, but I'm so glad that you um, were willing to come on and share your journey. And, you know, I get messages all the time from people who say like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe someone else went through that. And so I, I'm really excited that having like a client, feature will help people kind of put into perspective like their journey and so it may not have been the same exact one but 
we could all relate to one another in some way or another. So I hope that this episode resonates with you guys. And um, yeah. Yeah. So thank you again for uh, having me on. And oh my God, of course. I was so honored when you asked me and I was so excited. I was so excited too. <laughs> I like went to bed that night, like a, like a giddy little <laughs> like girl on the night before her first day of school. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, yeah so thank you. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for part two of Simone. Um, and I will talk to you guys next week. Thank you guys for listening and I will see you guys soon.